Hey, welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris will be back tomorrow. He's taking the night off. And uh, tomorrow we'll be, Chris and I will be in with State Rep Chris Hendricks to talk about the dangerousness bill. And uh, it's Friday night to have a good time. Have a few laughs with the boys, right? Uh, but for now, it's just me. Uh, I saw some calls at the end of the show. I'm, I mean, at the end of the hour. And I uh, didn't have enough time to get to them. But if you want to call back, you can at 508-996-0500. We've got Brad Markey coming on at 830. We've got Brad Markey coming on at 830. We have got... Um, uh, he he's so Brad Markey's coming on, and it's the return of our uh, council post game segment that we had started when the show started. But then you know the city council went on a bit of a hiatus, so um, as they do this time of year, so there wasn't much to talk about. But now there's a lot to talk about. Of course, the mayor came on last night on the show with Chris and me to talk about the capital improvement plan and how important it is, and how the city council needs to vote on it because they kicked it last time. Brad Markey is the chair of the city council uh, finance committee. So, you know, I remember he, actually when they passed the capital improvement plan the first time, he was, uh, he was, he called in here. He called into, he called into Chris and me to explain, you know, basically how it works and how it's pretty non-controversial. So hopefully it passes tonight, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but Brad Markey will probably be calling in around eight, either eight 30 or later on the show, uh, you know, at nine 30, but in nine o'clock, we've got a, uh, attorney general candidate, Shannon Lish Reardon. She's one of the three candidates in the democratic primary, a very successful labor attorney who's putting a lot of her own capital in the race. So it's really interesting, but we were talking about the Trump and, um, the, uh, the, the the search of Donald Trump's uh, home in Mar-a-Lago. We were taking calls on that. We're taking calls on whatever you'd like at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get in the program. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hi, Marcus. How you doing? Hey, Tom. What's up? Good. I just wanted to follow up with what the mayor was, was talking about yeah. last night regarding the $129 million that the city council had to borrow. Yeah. And the potential subsidy, uh, I guess it... It comes through a certain segment of state government that helps pay not only the interest, but the principal on that type of borrowing. And somehow the council blew that one. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know, uh, you, you know, the particulars because I haven't watched city council meetings on TV for quite some time now. But to me, that that's a major blunder, wouldn't you think? I mean, yeah. The, the, the idea is, I don't know what the vote was and who voted to, to shift it, to delay it to committee. But certainly, if they all knew that, why would they do that? I think the point the mayor was making uh, was that they've kicked it for years now, right? The um, You're talking about the sewer overhauls for the EPA. Right. Yeah, they've right. kicked that for a long time. And so, uh, you know, that's uh, that's a it's a problem every municipality is dealing with. Um, but most of most, I think a lot of them have not done that, not kicked the can as much as New Bedford has and has been eligible for loans. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any reasoning, reasoning other than just, you know, sheer negligence. And, you know, I, I asked the mayor if, you know, the mayor said, you hope your city, you know, you hope your elected officials do your homework. And I said, are you saying some members of the council don't? And he said, yeah, basically. Right. So, do, do you know what the vote was and who voted to delay it? No, I'm you not mean, sure, but we can definitely, it, we can definitely find out. I'm sure the mayor knows. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it, 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 
how, how should I say, the, the, the city council president communicates with the mayor on matters such as this one. They're so important. And I fully realize how difficult it must have been for that council uh, to go ahead and vote for the borrowing. But as part of that package, if they didn't know that, then somebody dropped the ball. I, I got to believe that they were informed about that uh, in terms of repayment and, and, and how that was going to work. Yeah. If they weren't informed about that, then somebody's head should roll. I mean, that, that, that's just... You know, that's going to cost the city millions. I, I think it's something you, yeah, but I think it's something you have to know as, a, as an elected official because it's something that every town in the Commonwealth is dealing with, you know. So if you're elected, you, you really got to do your homework here and know that, you know, the EPA is having these regulations. And I know they're, they are offering relief. They're offering a lot of relief and even more relief now, I think, with the infrastructure deal. But, yeah, really? it's funny because there's people that are, Definitely, I've seen elected officials that are definitely um, pontificating about how this is a big problem that needs to be solved, and they're people that probably could have done something about it earlier. You know, yeah. so yeah, they get that that issue. Uh, the other one was uh, uh, the uh, pleading of the fifth by President Trump. Oh yeah, and uh, from what the the, the lawyers uh, were saying is that he had to because if he did talk uh, during that civil. Uh, case, uh, then it would have affected the criminal case. That's correct. And yeah. uh, that one would be more severe. So more than yeah. likely, he's willing to pay the millions of dollars in fines uh, rather than face the, uh, yeah. the criminal case. Yeah, you know? so basically, yeah, so there's a parallel criminal investigation going on by the Manhattan DA, and so uh, that it has, there's a lot of over, overlap here, so um, he's invoking his Fifth Amendment right because he doesn't want anything he says in this deposition to become, um, you know, a discovery for the Manhattan DA, which, again, uh, you know, uh, when you're under criminal investigation, you never benefit from talking. So, right, right. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'd it's not something I'm going to you know, begrudge him for. Be, yeah, that must be difficult for him. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, no but, kidding. Uh, I, I was of the opinion that that entire thing was uh, part of the uh, the Mueller probe because there were six outstanding cases. I think this was one of them. And if it was, then I remember during the investigation, they, they had an issue. They called it the uh, all-county building fund where the family sold $52 million in real estate. Right. And then instead of uh, doing capital, uh, 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 capital, what do they call it? Uh, the tax on that. Uh, they turned it into... Capital gains? Purpose. Yeah, capital gains. They turned yeah. it into special purpose entities and then it just flowed back to the family, which I don't think you can do. But I think right. that may be a portion of, of that case that he's pleading the fifth on. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the Mueller, there was a lot of things that like spider webbed out of that Mueller report, you know, a lot of, um, some heads did roll on that. Uh, some of his staffers got, um, got some fairly short federal prison time, but federal prison time nonetheless. And there were some investigations that were referred to the Manhattan DA in that. So yeah, that could yep. be part of it. Um, ultimately I think, you know, ends up, doesn't end up going anywhere consequential, but you know, yeah, we'll see. Yep. All good. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Oh, sorry. I might have cut you off, Tom. Um, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on. I mean, you know, it's with, with the whole Trump thing, it's like, again, it's never happened before. Uh, we still don't have like a ton of new stuff. 
like we know that it's about documents. We know that it's about we know it's about documents, very sensitive ones. We know that uh, there was cooperation at one point, but the FBI felt like there was no longer co- cooperation. Um, again, I find it hard to believe that they would do this without seeing it as a necessity. And maybe it's a maybe it's a thing like it's like a. I, I, my my theory is it's probably something bigger than just an archival a violation of archival law because it seems like you know the political considerations of this are um, a little too again as I said it before explosive for this to just be a violation of archival law but maybe it's just a show of strength on the federal government's part where they're saying hey you're violating this law this law is important to us uh, comply with it or we're going to we're going to do, you know, we're going to um, exhaust all of our options in getting what we want uh, for uh, after you violate this law. So that could be it. That could very well be it. It could be that there's nothing deeper in the in this than he's got some really important documents. And maybe we won't know, depending on how sensitive they are. Maybe we won't know what the documents are. You'd hope we get the gist of what they are. Because he has turned over boxes of documents. Some of them are like letters from people, like his letter from Obama, I think is one of them in the in the documents that were returned like earlier last year. That um that board that he made the funny drawing on, the weather when the storm was gonna hit Florida, something like that. You remember we made a stupid drawing? He said, Oh look, this is going here or something. He's trying to be a weatherman. I think that was one of the things that, that got turned over to. But I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. 508 996 0500. That's that's what I got on the Mueller thing. Uh, I mean, the Mueller thing. I guess it's the Mueller thing, too. But that's what I've got on the, on the you know, Merrick Garland probe. It, what, it, what you guys, you probably know this if you're, if you're, if you have, if you're a regular listener to WBSM, there's a decent chance you know this. But, um, with respect to Merrick Garland and who Merrick Garland is, but if you don't, this is for you. So Merrick Garland was, I believe, worked in the DOJ before, but he was a judge on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is t- typically what's seen as the farm team for the Supreme Court, right? So Kentaji Brown-Jackson, who just got appointed, she was on D.C. Cir- Circuit Court of Appeals. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. She sat with Antonin Scalia, who was on that court too. Brett Kavanaugh was on that court as well. I think John Roberts was on that court too. There's been quite a few. I and I think Earl Warren. There's a bunch of them. There's there's more than one. They're often seen as like the farm team for the uh, for the Supreme Court. So Merrick Garland was on that court. He was uh, nominated to fill the fill the vacancy left by Antonin Scalia when he died while Obama was in office, but Obama didn't have the Senate. So Mitch McConnell told him, Mr. President, you will not fill that seat. You will not fill this seat. And he didn't fill the seat, so Merrick Garland's nomination languished. Merrick Garland, for what it's worth, uh, even you know as accomplished of a jurist as he is and as accomplished of a lawyer he, as he is, was at the time a terrible, terrible pick for the Supreme Court because one, he was like 60 at the time. 
He's 69 now, and it was about... He's 69 now. That was in 2016. So, yeah, he was in his early 60s at the time of the nomination. Two, he wasn't all that... He wasn't all that... He's more of a moderate in his jurisprudence than, let's say, uh, Sonia Sotomayor is one of his... One of his other picks, one of the better Supreme Court justices. But uh, Sonia Sotomayor, he, he's more of a moderate, much more of a middle-of-the-road guy. And three, he was, and this isn't, this is more of a, like, it was a disqualifier. It, it was, it was, it was, I'm not saying this is a disqualifier, but it goes against what Obama was doing with the bench, right? He was an old white guy. And Obama's thing was about diversifying the bench. That's why his two picks before were Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor, right? And a lot of people were saying he was going to pick, you know, there's a few other justices that were at the time that were people of color that he was going to pick for the, for, the, for the spot. But the reason he put forward Merrick Garland is he wanted to make it look like he was offering a compromise, that he was offering the most inoffensive to the Republican Supreme Court justice that he could put forward, right? A justice that could, and basically saying, because I think he wanted to fill the seat saying, hey, you fill this, uh, you know, if you want, you want, you either pick this guy or, you know, you take your chances in 2016 and maybe get someone worse. Worse for them worse for them because it's a terrible pick for Obama again you don't want to pick a 60 year old Supreme Court justice you want your justice to be like 15 years old realistically like I'm not kidding like early 40s would be great you want them to be as young as they possibly can while being experienced um Brett Kavanaugh Amy Coney Barrett uh, Neil Gorsuch all in there all in their 40s so um so he didn't get so you know you know, the, Trump won the election, got to fill the seat. So Merrick Garland went back to the uh, the, uh, the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. And until he got picked for attorney general. I thought at the time that Joe Biden was making it, I, I thought at the time, like, what a weird pick to make. This guy who's been more or less a moderate, right, in his jurisprudence, not super more prosecutorially friendly than a, like a left-leaning justice was. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, people are like, oh, uh, bet Mitch McConnell's mad now. Like, no, Mitch McConnell wasn't mad because he had already filled the seat. The seat's more important than news attorney general. The attorney general lasts four to eight years, right? Attorney general's like four to eight years. But who's filling the seat uh, I mean, who's filling the um, seat in the Supreme Court? That's a lifetime. And that was Neil Gorsuch, who was, I think, at the time of his nomination, 49 years old. So he didn't, he didn't care. It wasn't like a big own for Mitch McConnell. But I think it ended up being a smart pick because that ended up being the seat that he vacated ended up being Kentaji Brown-Jackson's seat. They moved her to the Supreme Court. Then they got another bite at the apple and filled that seat again. So I, I actually think it ended up being a pretty good pick. Strategically, in terms of filling the bench, because filling the bench super important. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Good evening, Marcus. What's up? This topic is never going to go away. <laughs> no, I don't think it's so. Got legs. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump 
started his campaign by saying he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. And uh, he's proven that to be true. Yes. His base is really super wound up. I mean, they, they're so invigorated over this event that it's kind of like uh, he's, he's almost a shoe-in. And they're ready to stage a, a revolution. The, the, the judge in, in Florida that, that issued the warrant is being threatened. The FBI is being threatened. It's just, it's absolutely yeah. incredible. There was a guy in Cincinnati that stormed the uh, FBI, armed, stor- tried to storm the FBI office in Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. And it, it, this, the conspiracy theories that are coming up over this, that that Biden directed uh, his Department of Justice to go after Trump, that, 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 uh, that Obama was really behind the whole thing. Yeah. That... Uh, it just it just goes around. It, you, it, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. You, you got to. Um, they're you, not the, 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 the Christopher Ray was an appointee, the head of the FBI was an appointee of Trump. Almost five years to the date of the raid, actually. Yeah, five years yeah. ago. Yeah. And there, there, there are other people that were uh, guilty of taking sensitive documents, classified documents, and they were prosecuted. Yeah. David Petraeus, General David Petraeus, gave oh, documents God. to his girlfriend. I have. I was going to say, that's a spicy story. I haven't heard that one in a while. And uh, he, he was found guilty. I think he was sentenced, and he was given time off. He was fined. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he, he Sandy Berger, I, I think he worked for Clinton was uh, found guilty of stealing documents and taking them out of the, of the, of the uh, government office. Right. So Trump, Trump is, there's something behind these. They're, they're not just going to prosecute Trump or issue a warrant uh, against, uh, against Trump unless they really have something to go on. Right. And uh, the National Archi- the National Archives uh, Bureau said that said that the documents that were handed over on the first round were uh, incomplete. The pages were missing. Yeah. So it, it, it's there's something going on there, and the uh, Trumpsters will will. In their mind, Trump could do no wrong, and, and it's the deep state that that has taken over the country, and it's fascism, and and uh, the, 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 the it's the Joseph Goebbels <laughs> and the uh, German Secret Service that that that's being that's being being take, taken over by the by the deep state. It's yeah. just absolutely incredible. We're going to have to wait to find out. But Trump has all the information. He could release the information on what the warrant Yeah, says. they could. They could, and they're not going to. They're, they're waiting. And for- he, he's got the inventory mm-hmm. of, what they, of what they took. He could release that, too. But he, 
He's not, he's playing it close to his vest. It's the, he's the biggest victim that the world has ever seen. Yeah, I've, I know. He's a big and, baby. And uh, that's 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 the whole the whole deal. Yeah. Victimization and uh, and then they bring up Hillary Clinton. They, they they said that the Clintons stole furniture and they weren't prosecuted and Hillary Clinton was investigated over months. She got a letter. She got a public a letter, an open, basically an open letter written to her from the director of the FBI, like two weeks before election day for a presidential campaign. She was definitely investigated. To her, to her. I mean, she. There's a lot of things that bombed her campaign, but that that was. You can't argue that that wasn't a detriment to her campaign. Oh, Comey sunk her 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 campaign yeah. bid and gave the election to uh, to Trump. Yep. So, it, 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 but we're not going to be able to change the minds of these Trumpsters. Uh, they they consider Trump to be the biggest victim in the world, and so is Trump. Uh, the guy is the biggest crook that the world has ever seen. <laughs> bigger, bigger than the Casa Nostra. Yeah. But, but and he knows all their tactics. And, well, he, he, we used to work with them. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And thanks for the call, will man. He ever, will, he ever, will, will justice ever be served with respect to Trump? I, I'm no. highly doubtful. No. No. Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Going to take this break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500. We've been talking mostly about the raid on Mar-a-Lago from the FBI um, there isn't a lot more to talk about. I mean, if you've got something, you want to talk about it, give me a call. Feel free. 508-996-0500. As far as things that I have to say about it on my own, in my monologue, not much else. I, again, it's really funny where the uh, conservatives now are with the, you know, they're all of a sudden concerned with the, you know, the power and authority of the federal government and the law enforcement wing of the federal government in particular. Uh, I didn't see a lot of that concern when Donald Trump a few days before getting raided by the FBI was saying that uh, drug dealers need to get all drug dealers need to get executed with quick or no trials and that we need to be mean and nasty, right? Calling for like basically the brutalizing and, um, you know, brutalizing of civilians at the hands of uh, a more militarized federal law enforcement agency and uh, saying that basically trials, who needs them, right? <laughs> trials, who needs them? I don't know. Not me, right? So he's done stuff like that before. Automatic death penalty for this, automatic death penalty for that. He's done that a few times. Uh, and it's funny again to see um, Marjorie Taylor Greene saying she wants to defund the FBI Defunding, calling for defunding of the police. Uh, and you're seeing, you know, headlines from conservative media outlets saying, oh, unequal justice, you know, because their big, beautiful president got um, got his home searched. And not like that's all so far. I, I mean, you know, like he got his house searched. Uh, I haven't seen no indictments yet. He hasn't been arrested, hasn't put, been put in jail. And guess what? I guarantee he ain't going to be put in jail. But indictment would take 
I mean, if they put it, if they put an indictment in front of a federal grand jury, I believe they have they have thirty. If they put a complaint in front of a federal grand jury, I believe they have thirty days to present their case uh, for indictments. If that's where it's going, do I think that's where it's going? Nah, I'm not so sure. Uh, we're not getting a lot from the we're not getting a lot from the DOJ from Merrick Garland. We're not getting a lot from. Uh, getting nothing from biden you know so their their official story is biden doesn't know anything about that about this i don't know i'm not sure i i find it hard to believe that the white house wasn't notified about it um maybe not through official channels but i find it hard to believe that the white house wasn't uh notified about the a raid on the house of a former president it seems like something that again maybe not through official channels but there had to be some sort of communication, I think. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hey, Marcus. It's Don. Boy, I don't know where to start tonight. <laughs> but <laughs> remember we were talking about search warrants the other day. Yes. The Fourth Amendment. Uh-huh. Now, under the Fourth Amendment, a citizen is commanded to allow a lawful search of the building, his body, etc. Yeah, person, person's the, papers and effects, I believe, is the exact correct. language. Yeah. Correct. But nowhere does it state what the citizen is prevented from doing. So in other words, Trump's attorneys will lawfully allow to be able to observe what the FBI agents are doing. Yeah, there's probably some jurisprudence around that, uh, that like, you know, because the Constitution says what the Constitution says, you know, we uh, add more. Uh, color around the Constitution's guidelines through <laughs> jurisprudence. Um, so there's, there probably is some jurisprudence around that that I'm not aware of. Yeah, but uh, we must remember that what is stated in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights for our rights is only the start. It's not the limitation. Right. People get confused over that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But uh, if, the, if the Fourth Amendment does not specifically state that a citizen cannot observe what the agents are doing, yeah. means they have the absolute right to do so. Yeah, I will so I say about that, I, I understand that argument and I agree with it to a certain extent. I mean, your First Amendment right is not absolute. I mean, you don't, you can't libel or slander somebody. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, you know, you, you, you have a First Amendment right, but you can't shout fire in a crowded theater, right? Because unless you're... Unless the you're, theater's on fire. Well, well, unless the theater's on fire, right. But you can't just <laughs> shout... Yeah, right. You can't just shout fire in a crowded theater. So I, so, I love busting people's shots. <laughs> no. All rights are absolute and eternal for constitutional purposes. As long as you're exercising constitutionally, it's absolute and eternal. Yeah, but again, you know, like it says, you know, uh, you know, you when they say... use it to violate the rights of another person yes. or another group of people. Right. Okay. Yes. Very good. Now, now um, Biden wants 87,000 more IRS agents. One thing, Marcus, I've never come to understand because I've never been audited. When a person is audited and they receive documentation from the IRS, is it certified and signed under pains and penalty of perjury that the notification that you're receiving is true and that the person who is sending it to you will accept any errors that are in there therein and be held liable for it? Oh, boy. Or is it just... Boy, I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not sure. I will say about the 87,000 agents, um, I don't think it's 80, 87,000 auditors. I think it's, you know, auditors, clerical staff, you know, Correct. even and, even and maintenance people. And everything else yeah. and their pensions and health care. 
right. that you'll run into the hundreds of billions of dollars. So mm-hmm. I can understand why you'd need them. But it, it just troubles me, Marcus, that you and I have to swear under pains and penalty of perjury that our tax returns have, are compliant with all lawful regulations and codes. Yeah. But if an agent sends you an audit, I believe they should be held to the same standard. Yeah. I mean, there's probably, I, I agree. There's probably, I mean, but then again, there's, you know, now there's qualified immunity to consider that even if... Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, no, no, right. But it is, no, but here's the thing. But it can kind of can be if you're a, a government employee because you have qualified immunity and qualified immunity is morphed into this thing where it basically absolved an, invo- absolves an individual and by extension the agency from really any, any wrongdoing. Well, l- let me stop you right there. Is that noted in the Constitution as a privilege extended to the public servants? Is no. qualified immunity mentioned in the Constitution? No. No, okay. it's it was made in juris it was made in uh, jurisprudence, Supreme Court jurisprudence. <laughs> was it found in the penumbra. Yeah, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. My yeah. butt, Marcus. No, <laughs> if it's not, well, why is it that U.S. marshals have to be bonded, as do most court clerks and sheriffs? Why aren't all public servants bonded? Um, I mean, hmm. I think a lot of them are right. Bonded. Well, marshals, U.S. marshals, but that's under federal law. They're bonded. Right. Nothing in the Constitution requires that. Yeah. But now I figured I'd throw that out about the, the audits. I believe that if a IRS agent is going to state that there's errors in your completed tax form, I think they should be held accountable if they're in error, and they should make you a whole person again. I, I, I completely agree with you. But uh, right. we've got that uh, juris- we've got that pesky jurisprudence to worry about. Thanks for the call, Don. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. So um, I guess yeah. So for, like, we can sort of bring this back to well. So that's actually pertinent because, um, like, let's say the FBI made some negligible mistakes in the search of Donald Trump's home or the execution of the warrant, right, and all of that. And let's say he tries to sue the FBI, uh, sue the agents who did the wrong thing. You know, let's say they kicked his dog on the way out or something, you know. But does he have a... He doesn't have a dog. He doesn't have any pets, does he? Mm. Well, let's say they did something negligible. I don't know. They, uh, They yelled at Barron. He got real upset. They're trying to sue him for intentional infliction of emotional distress or something like that. Well, um, you know, there's recently Supreme Court actually came down with a case. I uh, can't remember the exact name. Uh, Egbert v. Boulay. Egbert v. Boulay. They came down with a case, Egbert v. Boulay, and it's uh, a Border Patrol agent on the Canadian border um, was uh, uh, encroached upon the property of a guy who lived, at, I want to say, let's say upstate New York or Vermont around there, somewhere on the Canadian border, but on the American side. And he encroached upon his property uh, to talk to a um, lawfully resided uh, immigrant, right? And the guy, uh, Boule, who owned the um, who owned the property, it was a motel, who owned the property, uh, got in front of the Border Patrol agent and told him, hey, you can't do that. You can't harass my patrons. You can't even be on my property. And uh, the guy, Egbert, the Border Patrol agent, beat him up, right? Slammed him against the floor. I think he hit him. And then afterwards, Boule tried to file a complaint against Egbert. And 
then Egbert called the IRS <laughs> to try to get his place audited, to try to get him audited because he ratted on, because Boulay ratted on him. And so um, Boulay took this to the Supreme Court, said it was a violation of his First Amendment rights, which it clearly, clearly is. Uh, it was a violation of his Fourth uh, and Fifth Amendment rights. And again, which it clearly was. The Supreme Court basically, I don't even think they went as far to, they didn't even, they didn't even deny that it was a violation of his constitutional rights. They said it is, but it doesn't matter because you can't sue the federal government. You can't sue the federal government for violations of your rights. The only relief you can seek is injunctive relief, which is to stop them from doing something. But even then, that doesn't do anything for you when your rights have already been violated. So that's a rule thing that just came down from the Supreme Court, actually. From voted on, which wouldn't, that ruling would not have happened without Trump's appointed Supreme Court justices. So it's funny, it's scary, it's funny that all of the, you know, from Trump, all of the pearl clutching from Trump about, oh, the federal government's got too much power now. This is an unfair, unequal, and all of that. Well, his Supreme Court justices that he appointed, that he, you know, that he knew, or at least the Federalist Society that gave him the list of people to pick knew, had these types of beliefs about how um, federal agents should act or how they should be allowed to treat people without consequence. And, you know, there's the whole qualified immunity thing, which doesn't mean what a lot of people thinks it mean, think it means. Uh, but I don't even, like, have time to get into it right this second because I got to take this break. Be right back. Vote. Welcome back. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Chris is off for the night, but he'll be back tomorrow. Um, but for now, I'm joined by you at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on. Good evening. Hi, Marcus. Hey, what's up? Hey, Marcus. Um, easy uh, easy question. I was just sitting with my parents. Uh, who should we vote for for sheriff? Um, who do you like? Oh, listen, I don't make endorsements. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> But uh, so you look at the if you if you're looking at the Democratic side, um, yes, I'm assuming because you uh, so if you're looking at the Democratic side, uh, you look at the three candidates. I think they're all very good people who are okay. well-intentioned people. I think the most serious candidate out of the, or I would say the front runner in that in that race is got to be uh, Paul Haru, the Attleboro mayor, um, who okay. is a former corrections administrator. Again, I like Nick Bernier a lot. I think he's a good guy. I like George McNeil. He was my professor in college. Um, wow. But you, you look at you look at who's raising all the money. Uh, uh, Paul Haru is just dwarfing them in in fundraising. He is yeah. a state rep. He was a state rep, so he's won regional elections. He's a mayor, so he's run one municipal elections. He knows wow. how to campaign. He's campaigned well, uh, and he's got the most money. So I would say, out of the candidates, um, out of the candidates in the Democratic primary, he seems to be the front runner. But in a couple weeks on August 17th, uh, they're going to be debating here uh, with me. Awesome. So you'll get to see. Oh, sick. Awesome. Yeah. Marcus, my second question should be easier. Um, do you think that, for once, Hodgkin does have legit opponents and should kind of be maybe be nervous? I mean, I think, I think they've got a – I think – 
I think, you know, um, it's always a tall order to beat an incumbent, especially a guy with $300,000 cash. And I think oh, wow. I think Hodgson himself is a very talented um, uh, politician. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think there's a puncher's chance. I think, you know, it's a Democratic area. There's people that probably aren't all that... Um, you know, a lot of uh, people that aren't all that thrilled with him. It's, you know, he's making big, big headlines, but not necessarily yeah. everybody loves those headlines. But he's got yeah. high name recognition. He's got like three hundred thousand dollars, and uh, and um, uh, it's it's going to be difficult, uh, I think, for someone to mount a challenge. But I think I think there's a puncher's chance. Awesome, Marcus. Thank you. I'm listening. Have a great night, bud. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. All right, listen. We're going to take this break. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on if you want to join me. Chris is out for the night. He'll be back tomorrow. But for now, I'm taking your calls. At 8 o'clock, I'm going to be joined. I mean, at 9 o'clock, I'm going to be joined by attorney Shannon Liss Reardon. And she is uh, a candidate for attorney general, a very successful labor attorney. Um, who's putting a great deal of her own resources into the race. Uh, so and that's a competitive primary between um, Shannon Lisrud and uh, Andrea Campbell and um, and Quentin Palfrey, uh, all of whom are going to be joining me. Uh, we, um, we've been actually getting all the candidates in. Uh, so we've got the candidates for uh, lieutenant governor uh, all scheduled to come in as well. The candidates for uh, state audit, two of the three candidates for state auditor have come in. Um, so we're really, uh, it's pretty good. 508-996-0500. Good evening. I'm taking the Trump wiping my body. What? Hello? I can't hear you. Okay. Well, uh, if you um, want to leave a weird message like that too, you can. At 508-996-0500. Uh, that's how you can get on. Um, and... Yeah, so Shannon Liss-Rudin is going to be joining us. Uh, if you've got any questions, we can take them uh, for her as well. Uh, she'll be here from 9 to 9.30, and uh, we're going to talk about her campaign. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and as far as the sheriff's race goes, um, again, I think they're all they're, they're all good candidates, but they're all with good qualities. Um, Paul Haru, again, for me, just looking at the the fundraising, the money that he's raised, uh, I see a bunch of signs that, that he's put up, a bunch of signs that he's put up. Um, the fact that he has been elected twice successfully in the county at both the municipal and uh, regional level, it seems to me that he's the front runner. Uh, we'll see on September 6th, right? But, and we're also going to have, you never know what's going to happen at the debate, what, what could come out of that debate and how that could shake up the race. So, because this area is obviously super, super important, I'd argue the most important in a uh, in a county in a countywide race. So you never know what can come out of that debate. Who uh, you know, maybe um, maybe you can have a uh, I guess I guess would you call an October surprise in August an August surprise an October surprise for the primary? I guess you could call an August surprise. October surprise is something that comes up before a campaign that dramatically shifts. You know the um the trajectory of the race uh, we were talking about it earlier some might say comey's open letter to hillary right to say that he's investigating her for you know what have you 
uh, that would be an October surprise. That would be an example of an October surprise. Hurricane Sandy, uh, when Obama, uh, when Hurricane Sandy happened and Obama was able to like swiftly respond to it and Chris Christie gave him a big hug and all that, that can also be seen as an October surprise. So maybe there'll be an August surprise in the, uh, in the Bristol County Sheriff's primary. And maybe it'll happen here during the debate. You won't know unless you tune in. You won't know unless you tune in. And the cool thing is we're going to have an hour of uh, us asking them questions, them asking each other questions. And the second hour, you get to ask them questions. You get, you get to call in and ask them whatever you want. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we had Sheriff Hodgson on. He got a lot of calls. That was fun. This is going to be just as fun. So I would stay tuned for that. You know, you'll see who you see. You'll see for uh, you'll see for yourself who you like uh, as a candidate. Um and uh, yeah, really exciting. Again, I'll, so Brad Markey is going to call in, uh, but they're still in the meeting. <laughs> still in the meeting. He's texting me that they're still in the meeting. They're still in the meeting. Still in the meeting. All right, 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hello? Yeah. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Good, how you doing? All right. Um, all I hear about all things. I haven't been out here all day, but the shows I've been out here for, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. He's going to jail. He's going to jail. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. What do you think? He's not going to jail. Oh, no, he's not going to jail. I don't think he's going he's to jail. He's going to get away with it. They all do. Yeah. That's like George W. Bush, they swear to God he was going to go to uh, prison for war crimes and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. They're going to throw him in front of the Hague and all that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Same thing with Cheney. Yeah, yeah. Painting painting pictures of his victims. Painting pictures of his victims on, 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 the, on the ranch. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, that's Not funny. Paints, right? Yeah, he paints. He paints pic- pictures of people that he, like, basically people that he bombed. It's it's pretty it's pretty awful. But he's got a picture of Saddam Hussein. Yeah, and he's um, it's pretty it's funny. Uh, he uh, they made that fake blunder about Iraq just to uh, rub it in everybody's face too about the Ukraine. So, hey, well, hey. yeah, these Trump nuts, man. There's a difference between somebody that likes Trump. It is obsessed with Trump. Some of these people are obsessed with that guy. Yeah, I would say the people that protested out of outside of his house at Mar-a-Lago are probably the uh, the more obsessed kind. Hey, the uh, the the satellite's about to kick in. I appreciate the call. Call back in the in the nine o'clock hour. Thank you. All right, guys, Shannon Lewis is going to be joining us at nine o'clock. So stay tuned.